We're going to jump right in here because we're very, very excited. We have got uh, like once-in-a-lifetime opportunity here to, to interview <laughs> this right. yeah. this young man. I'm, yeah. We're really excited uh, about it. And if you're from the Bloomington area, you may already know who this is because you've probably seen him out and about, especially if you've been at an IU um, basketball, football game, right. what have you. He's... Um, He's an IU alum right. and also a huge uh, fan of the Hoosiers. And um, speaking of Hoosiers, he was also the screenwriter <laughs> and producer of the movie Hoosiers. Right, right. And many uh, other movies and some upcoming ones. Uh, I'm excited. I'm really excited to talk to Angelo Pizzo, our guest today. Angelo, yes, thank you yes. for coming in. My thank pleasure. you. Thank so you. exciting to have you here. Um, so we're just going to jump right in. I, I kind of gave you a bit of a an intro, but didn't want to spill the beans too much, so to speak. So, um, you were raised in Bloomington, but you were born in Chicago. How long were you in Chicago before you actually came to Bloom- your family moved here? So, my my dad was in medical school at the University of Chicago, and he was doing his internship uh, when he married my mother, and uh, who was also a University of Chicago student. And uh, I was born a year and a half later, and when he was doing his residency at Northwestern, uh, we lived in Wilmette for a year and a half uh, or two, and then he started looking for jobs. Mm. And it was down to, I remember, it was back and forth between Cadillac, Michigan, and Bloomington, Indiana. Mm. And, um, and, And my mother really liked Cadillac a lot more. But the reason my dad wanted Bloomington was the fact of the university. He wanted okay. to teach. He was a pathologist. Oh, okay. Uh, and he, in addition to his practice, he also uh, is interested in teaching in the medical school, which was in Bloomington at the time. And uh, the the other thing that uh, reason my mother resisted is there had not been any pathologist in Bloomington before mm. him. So oh, he was the wow. first pathologist hired. There was no laboratory, so he had to set up the laboratory. And uh, so we arrived in, in Bloomington in 1951. Yeah, three years. It was actually about three years after. Uh, Very interesting. Born. Now, do you have siblings? I do. I have six brothers and sisters. Oh, wow. Uh, I'm the oldest of seven. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. yeah. That's a big family. It is indeed. Wow. Yeah. Uh, do, uh, and brothers and sisters live around here at all still uh, or? Uh, one brother one sister live here the rest are spread all over the country okay all right so speaking of um all over the country so you you were raised in bloomington you went to university high school you graduated from uni- university high school is that what i read uh i did yeah and and, and let me just go back just oh sure to, yes please the chronology because i think uh what i'm about to tell you has some context uh, okay for what happened to me the rest of my life the first house that my father and mother either bought or rented, I don't remember exactly what it was at the time, was on the corner of 7th and Jordan. Okay. okay, yep. And it wasn't part of the university then, although there was some housing on the same street, uh, Teeter. And and um, I was literally a block and a half away from the old field house. Oh, wow. And a block away from the old stadium yeah uh, sure where memorial stadium where i played football Uh Mm -hmm. so from the very beginning indiana football and indiana basketball became part of my sure you know indoctrination it was ingrained 
in my blood. I would go to practice uh, to watch the basketball and, and football teams um, on a regular basis, much more so basketball because it was indoors mm-hmm. in the winter and so on. To the point where when I was like six or seven, I became like a little mascot of the team. And I would, <laughs> they'd bring, bring me on the floor and I, I would uh, help rebound when they had free throw sure, practice. Nice. And right. yeah. uh, I, I remember some of the people who were, you know, really, really nice to me. And just coincidentally, the person who was the nicest to me and also I, I think that I think it was around 10 or 11 at the time who happened to be the Big Ten Player of the Year was a, a player named Gary Long. Mm-hmm. And he, he was, uh, uh, yeah, he was Big Ten MVP uh, in, I think, 59. I ended up hiring his son, coincidentally, because uh. I didn't put it, we didn't put it all together. And that's not why, this was no, you know, favoritism when we were hiring the kids for Hoosiers. So he played, his son played Buddy. Oh, you're oh, kidding! Yeah. Talk about, about full circle. Isn't that cool. Yeah. yeah. About that. Yeah. And the yeah. other thing, I, I, the other player I remember who wasn't, re- he was very shy, but I, I so he was unlike any other player I could ever remember uh, before or since was Jimmy Rail. I mm. mean, Jimmy Rail was the greatest shooter I've ever seen. Right. And I would watch him practice and hit shot after shot after shot after shot, like he was a metronome. But one of the <laughs> unusual things about Jimmy is. He was called the Splendid Splinter. He right. must have weighed like 140 pounds. I mean, <laughs> yeah. that guy, he was he was the thinnest player I've ever seen. Yeah. And uh, again, getting back to the full circle is we hired his son to be part of an opposing team. Oh, uh, and, and Jimmy would show up. And of course, we would have shooting contests, oh, you know, in between uh, t- shots. <laughs> he never lost, you know, all these kids, you know, who, I mean, he was by that time 40 or something. And, uh, all these hotshot kids, they thought they could uh, whip him. Nobody could touch him. <laughs> even I, then, even then. Oh yeah. I mean, guys like him and Rick Mount, once you become, that is who you are and it becomes part of your life and your identity. I don't think you ever stop. Practicing, yeah. I think Rick Mount was shooting at free throws in his seventies. You know, oh so. wow. wow! At any rate, um, I'm sorry to mention somebody from Purdue. No, but getting back to that particular, we can edit that out. Actually. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> getting back to that particular time, uh, Indiana University's campus became my playground. That is so, so cool. So I would just. I mean, I knew it. I knew every inch of that campus because uh, I was on my bikes flying around here sure. and there, and and um, and and of course the little five hundred was really important. Sure. That was only a block away from mm-hmm. us, and 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 it was my dream to like uh, to be in the little five hundred. And I we used to we used to create these little bike races of our own, oh. you know, <laughs> among my friends. Uh, we we didn't realize how much training it actually yeah. took, but uh, that's another that that's another story. Wow. Um, but in terms of University High School, uh, when when I went there, it was a total lab school. That is, um, there were t- there were uh, cameras in every room, uh, and um, it was they were called the guinea pigs at one time. Really? Yeah, because. It was part of the education department in the education uh, school. And uh, we always had, were taught in different 
experimental ways and that's interesting it was very I did not very know pro- that. very progressive so it was it, actually tied to the university it was part of the university oh i didn't know oh, that yes it, that's it was interesting very, very much part of the university mm-hmm. and um i i just remember it was different than other people's experience especially those at bloomington high school mm-hmm. and um the other grade schools around town but uh, it was it was a phenomenal experience, and and so many of my friends were sons and daughters of professors and sure. people connected to the university, um, and of course it was almost like a prep school because of that. You sure. didn't have to talk about the importance of education to these kids because right. their their parents were in the business of, of education. Right. Right. I mean the the amount of of national merit scholars and the kids that went to Ivy schools was beyond any high school in indiana not even close wow. um because it was a unique environment well that all changed when you know it became bloomington north and south right. and, and sure. they actually they initially moved out to the bypass and and they started to separate from the university but uh, that's a whole another story that's really interesting i had no that's, idea that's, I didn't either. that un, university high school was that i i, didn't I never yeah. knew it was tied to I mean, I knew it was called University High School, but yeah. I didn't realize it was tied to the university. So you then you went on to Indiana University. I did. Now, this is, I found interesting. I've been on your Wikipedia page, <laughs> Angelo. Just so I'm you. sure there are, there, I don't know who does those things, yeah. but, but I, I, I think been, everybody that's does. That's why I'm, I'm hoping that most of it's right, but uh, we'll, find, we'll find out. Yeah. But so you went to IU and you actually got a poli-sci Mm-hmm. Uh, major, or you're a poli sci major, is what you got your degree in, correct? Correct. Yeah. And so, um, how did we get from poli sci? Well, actually, I already know. This is the part of the story that was my absolute favorite part of the story. If this is true, so tell me if it mm-hmm. is. So you you had a degree in um, a political science, and we're going to be a, a a lawyer. But your dad told you to instead do something that you would love or would make you happy instead and so you went to film school in california is that kind of how the story went that is the very reader's digest okay sanitized <laughs> version of it uh there there's a lot more to it than that sure uh i would say the single most important external event that happened in my life was the vietnam war Vietnam War changed my whole attitude about it. And my goal uh, was not to be a lawyer. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was considering getting a law degree, but my area of specialty was in world politics or interna- international relations. Okay. And um, my parents were very involved in politics at the time. And my dad, mom, very progressive Democrats. And the Birch Bay and his family were good friends of ours. Mm-hmm. And Birch promised and i i was head of his campaign in 1968 mm-hmm. in, on wow. camp on campus yeah, no uh, yeah on iu's campus and uh i was uh, my plan was to go to get a um it was initially to the law degree but then i changed my mind i was gonna get a master's in international relations or world politics at one of three universities that i applied to which was georgetown george washington or um American University, and one of these schools, and I was going to work as a page uh, oh, uh-huh. in, in the Senate mm-hmm. because oh. politics was fascinating to me, and mm-hmm. I wanted to to help, uh, uh, you know, be part of his his uh, 
senatorial staff at one time. And sure. if I got a master's degree, I had uh, straight in there. But the war changed everything. Mm-hmm. And um, I became very anti-government, mm-hmm. uh, anti-war, and um, to a point where I became disenchanted with the whole idea and the whole plan. To the point where um, I, I... I, I focused most of my last year not on my my polit- or not on my work and my school, but in putting together a brief that was 96 pages long, trying to file to become a conscientious objector, and um, from a non-religious point of view, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, from an ethical and moral point of view. Mm-hmm. And um, I knew I was one of many thousands right. uh, that were trying During to that do time. this, mm-hmm. and very few got. Um, the designation, but in fact, um, because I got, I mean, I think the support of my father and uh, my minister and also the mayor um, uh, wrote letters of support, and I did a lot of research. Probably my best writing up to that point was, mm-hmm. uh, and I got I got the CO mm-hmm. designation. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that that was. Um, and, and and just to summarize uh, the next two years, I how would I best put this in the most benign way? <laughs> I as as a CEO, you you are uh, obligated to serve two uh, years in alternative service, mm. and I got a job doing that in Syracuse, New York. But in those days, you were called to duty, and in alignment with being a CO as an alignment into being dra- in the same in the draft number that you got from the lottery. And my draft number was 192 and they got to 189 in my draft board area. Oh, wow. If that had not happened, I would have been, you know, lecturing about, you know, the Middle East crisis to Rotary clubs in Syracuse during that time, mm-hmm. you know, service organizations. Mm-hmm. Sure, sure. And um, so I was suddenly free from everything. And what I did was I, my my good friend, David Anspaugh, who directed Hoosiers and Rudy, mm-hmm. was in Aspen skiing a season, and I just joined him. And uh, I was there for a year, and then I, I, I went to Hawaii and surfed for a, a season <laughs> or two. Uh-huh. I was there for about a year. And uh, it was at that time where I started to just... Uh, realize that I was avoiding growing up and uh, that's when I came home and uh, I was struggling to figure out what I wanted to do and what I should do and I didn't want to go back into political science or get a degree law degree or anything like that and my my father challenged me what do I love what is it that you care about what is it that you would want to be part of uh, on a day-to-day basis what would you want to get up every morning look forward to doing Mm -hmm. okay and i said i only have one thing that i care about but i always thought of it as an avocation not a vocation that Mm -hmm. was film that was movies um i always had a passion for film and was a i i I went to every film when i was a kid that came to town practically and um so he said I will support you trying to figure out how to chase your, follow your bliss, uh, you know, as Joseph mm-hmm. Campbell said. And uh, I was very, very fortunate um, because I really had no background in film to apply. I, I found out, and this this was my, my um, this was my way in. 
I didn't think I was creative enough or I had the ability to be a filmmaker at all. Uh, and But growing up in a college town, um, and this was sort of, my dad and I came to this conclusion, if you care about something, you can get a degree in it and teach it. So I went to the head of comparative literature here at IU. That's where the film classes were. That's the academic film class, not the filmmaking classes. And ask him, how would one go about getting a job? Because I love Bloomington. I was thinking I'd be great to come back and teach here. And he told me that there were three schools that got that gave PhDs in the academic uh, uh, in, uh, approach to, to film. They were NYU, UCLA, and USC. I applied to all three, and I miraculously got into USC. Oh, wow. I, I did. I, it was probably the interview that did it. And, yeah. and I, because I had prepped for that interview for three months before I read every day everything I could because I wanted to just dazzle them. And it sounds like even, you did. I, well, even though I didn't have the, you know, I, I had no film to show. I had, I only took one film class in, in college. And then my my GPA was just really mediocre because I kind of blew off a couple of years in college. Um, but uh, yeah, I got in and that sort of changed everything. The trajectory me. of your life. I love that. Yeah, wow. So we're going to pick it up here. We got to take a yeah. quick break yeah. and um, hear from our partners, but then we're going to come back and we're going to pick this story up from there because that's when yeah. we really find out about uh, all the movies you love and that you've watched that you might not even know he's involved in. This is Angelo Pizzo, our uh, guest today on WCSM's General Store. We'll be right back. Farmers Insurance agent Christine Flynn put her experience to work for you. Christine Flynn proudly serves Monroe, Lawrence, and Greene County families and businesses and is ready to review your existing policies or provide a no-obligation quote today. Call Christine Flynn at 812-822-2905 to get smarter about your insurance. Again, that's Christine Flynn at 812-822-2905. We know a thing or two because we've seen a thing or two. We are farmers. Bum, ba, da, bum, 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 bum. Underwritten by Farmers, Truck Fire Insurance, Exchanges, and Affiliates. Products not available in every state. Buy Now Closeouts, located at 3478 West 3rd Street in Bloomington. Buy Now Closeouts has everything you could possibly need for a remodel or new build. Vanities, sinks, faucets, in a wide selection of all shapes and sizes. Washers, dryers, cabinets fixtures, everything at discount prices. Gas ranges, electric stovetops, huge slashes on name brand items. Need flooring? You'll find stacks of it. Everything you need for your bathroom, kitchen, and dining areas. Buy now closeouts. You've got to check this out before you go anywhere else. New items arriving weekly and our inventory changes all the time, so stop in and see what's in stock for you. Buy now closeouts at 3478 West 3rd Street behind Crew Car Wash. Don't buy later, buy now. 
technology has become more complicated and is becoming more cost prohibitive to hire the in-house talent that you need to keep your business secure and running smoothly. The AME Group can help. Outsourcing the management of your business technology gives you access to a broad range of technical expertise for less than hiring directly. AME offers managed IT services including proactive monitoring, preventative maintenance, software management, device management, and 24-7 network support to keep your technology consistent and reliable. The AME Group has been servicing the local area for over 35 years. Give Orion a call at 812-320-0389 for a free on-site assessment for your business today. did start writing a movie about Indiana, I you knew. kept in mind, there's no way I'm going to give this thing up to anybody else except me or somebody from Indiana. Right. Yeah. Oh, sure that's, I love that. That's, uh, that's awesome. awesome. All right. Welcome back to a conversation at the general store with Angelo Pizzo and uh, screenwriter, producer, and now, and director. You've done done all of them. I didn't, I guess, realize um, really uh, screenwriter. Is screenwriting like writing, is that your passion or do you like the whole process of making a film that, you, that you've been involved in? Oh, I hate writing. Oh, you do? I do. I, I, I find writing painful, awful. It's just miserable. So it, that's just basically uh, an ends to a mean, like, you know, yeah, a means to an right. end. Like you just, you write it so you can go and make the film. Yeah. I mean, what I do is I create the movie in my mind and I transcribe it. But that part of the process is really difficult because I'm working just in my own head. Yeah. And I can get my own way and second guess and, and. Um, it, it, it's it, it, it's uh, it's torturous. It's you know just being uh, <laughs> being in your own room writing for four five months at a time mm. is so different than actually gathering a group of people sure. who give you feedback right. and energy and new ideas and and uh, make the sum of the parts uh, bigger than uh, I'm making the whole bigger than the sum of the parts. Mm -hmm. So. I I I really enjoy making movies. Uh, all, all the pre-production, the production, the post-production. I just don't like writing. No kidding. Yeah. In fact, I would have lost I, that and, bet. Yeah, yeah I, I would have <laughs> thought you would have. The screenwriting would have been like, oh yes, they're my babies, oh, and no. then no. Okay. No. He needs a minute to think about. There's it. a little grimace there. Yeah. I saw that. Yeah. So, so yeah, it's uh, it's too. It's a lonely profession, you know. And and again, when you're doing something creative. It's not like you're putting together, you know, uh, algorithms or, you know, 
you're 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 a mathematician or you're this is a technology writing or something you're creating you're trying to create magic mm-hmm. uh, on a blank piece of paper mm-hmm. you know and and because I work and have worked in the genre system, you know, there's been how many movies, sports movies have been made? Yeah. How do I not just make another mediocre sports movie? And 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 your goal is to always do something different, but honors the honors the genre and services the expectations and conventions of the genre, uh, but create magic. You know, that's really what the the best artists do is is they're they're magicians in a certain kind of way and one of the reasons why writing to me can't be taught i mean you can taught you can teach teach structure you can teach yeah. certain aspects of it but um you know I, I i don't write sports movies anymore for example um i i supervise them uh if if the story interests me mm-hmm. uh, then i will find another writer but um i can't guarantee they'll come out the way in which I would do it, and and uh, and and if, if I, I'm when I go into writing a story, I need to know that the idea has to be a compelling enough for me to want to see it as a a, a moviegoer, a, a fin- okay. yeah, a finished movie or film. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, it, it it has to induce me at least uh, or seduce me to want to pay money. I would buy this if somebody else made it. Okay, right, that's right. number one. Mm-hmm. Number two, it has to have a uh, enough of an opportunity to create emotional moments. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. where I can feel something, mm-hmm. uh, I'm, and, and authentically feel it, and not not in a kind of you know artificial way. And and the third thing it is, it has to have a great ending. I, I'm not going to do any story without a great ending. Mm-hmm. But um, other than that. When I go into a story, I'm I'm sort of like, let me put it. The other metaphor is I'm in the Himalayas, and I may have climbed, uh, you know, a couple of mountains. Every mountain is different, mm-hmm. you know, and I don't know if I can make it at the top. I don't know if I'm gonna just, you know, flatline. If this is just gonna be crazy. But the one and one of the things that's different for me than other writers, a lot of writers um, work. And this is especially if they take a lot of screenwriting classes or, or function this way, is they set up all of these very specific outlines. I'm going to have character A come into scene three and then reappear in scene two. Well, that's like moving puzzle pieces around and um, that's writing from the outside in. I tried that once and it, <laughs> it was it it, 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 I, it it didn't work at all. Mm. What, so what I do is I write from the inside out. I write from, if you think of the chakra system, you know, a lot of writers, the the outliners, I call them, write from the head and the neck. I write from my gut and my heart. Oh, and, yeah. and so I write from a Which feeling. I think you can oh, see, see totally. that in, in your films. Totally. But, but the thing is about writing from outlines is you have all these kind of like perfectly uh, symmetrical uh, storylines, sub-characters that, that, you know, worked all these... Uh, you know this it is like an algorithm you work this stuff out based on previous movies and you've seen movies like that they're soulless especially uh, studio films Mm -hmm. because what happens with studio films that are what I call overdeveloped is you have at least 10 or 15 people in jobs called development or executive jobs whose entire um, meaning is to give notes 
And what are they going to do? They're going to give notes to make it the most homogenized, the most uh, d- defined, the most common denominator aspect of writing that movie. Whatever is special and unique and weird, they're going to, you know, they'll want to get rid of it. You, I'm going to live and die about my choices about how to make this movie. Uh, and if it sucks, it's on me. Right. If it's good, it's on me. Right. One, you know, one way or another, right. I'm not going to blame somebody else. So, so we just want to touch on Obviously, you surely have figured this out by now. Um, Hoosiers, uh, also the movie Rudy, um, um, and then also, not that Hoosiers and Rudy were not fantastic, but my family's absolute favorite Angelo Pizzo uh, film was uh, My All-American. I can't hardly say it without crying because that movie was so incredible. Just what an incredible story and just your delivery of it and... So moving. It's just one of our favorite movies. But um, um, so what was, is Hoosiers your favorite? Or, I mean, do you love all of them? You know what I mean? Like, is there, do you have a heart for one a little bit more than and, and than the others that you've done? Or... Mm-hmm.